Welcome to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular Continuing Medical Education Podcast. Join us each week to discuss the most pressing topics in cardiology and gain valuable insights that can be directly applied to your practice. Well, hello again. Uh, my name's uh, Malcolm Bell uh, with you today uh, at another of our sessions of interviews with the experts. Uh, I'm delighted to again have as our guest, Dr. Juan Crestinello, uh, Chief of Cardiovascular Surgery and Professor of uh, Surgery here at uh, Mayo Clinic Rochester. So uh, Juan, welcome uh, once again. Thank you, Malcolm. Yeah, it's always good to have you uh, join us. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about papillary fibroelastomas, or PFEs. Maybe we'll just start off with you telling us what are PFEs? Papillary fibroelastomas are the most common benign tumors of the heart. They, origi they usually ori originate on the valvular uh, endocardium or in the endo or other regions of the endocardium. They look like a, a fronds. They have a a central a fibrotic core and they have the little fronts and so it looks like almost like a C anemone and a clot can form in in those uh, between those fronts and then eventually that clot or, or thrombus can uh, can embolize either to the brain or to other regions of the body and and give you um, evidence of a stroke or TIA or a systemic uh, embolization What's their typical size? In general, they are um, small and they are between a few millimeters to one to one and a half uh, centimeters. However, we have seen uh, tumors on the PFEs on the right side of the heart that has grown unnoticed for a long period of time and they were as, as big as uh, three centimeters. But those are rare. The majority are, are small from, from a few millimeters to a little more than one centimeter. So in terms of recognizing these, uh, you presumably typically by uh, echocardiography, and with this risk of stroke, obviously we're probably more concerned with the left-sided PFEs. Maybe just remind us, uh, are they typically on the ventricular side of the valve or on the other side of the valve, or can they be anywhere? How often, if ever, did they get to a size where they can interfere with the mechanical performance of a valve? The PFEs are, are, are normally localized in the, on the valves. They are original, they are uh, small, and normally they do not interfere with the function of the valve. It, they, they, do, they do not lead to any type of a valve insufficiency or denosis. However, uh, they can be uh, seen on patients who had other valve abnormalities or a valve a disease for other reasons like degenerative mitral valve disease or degenerative aortic valve disease that concomitantly have a papillary fibroelastomas as well. Okay, so even the larger ones are not going to interfere with valve function. The large ones, uh, the largest one that we have seen is, is again, this one uh, that was uh, three centimeters and was uh, prolapsing across the tricuspid valve and caused some tricuspid stenosis, but that was a very unique case. But in general, no, it don't, it don't interfere with the valve function because they're okay. small. What are the indications for surgical removal of these? Well, on patients who have had a, a previous TIA of stroke, no, uh, that's the most common reason why they are found. There are uh, patients undergoing undergo evaluation for a cardioembolic source of um, for a stroke. And now our echocardiograms, either the surface echocardiograms or the TE, are so good that they're able to detect 
even the, the smallest of the uh, papillary fibroblastomas. And then the surgical resection of these, um, how, how difficult it is and, and what are the risks? Well, the, the, the surgical resection is a relatively uh, simple operation. It usually involves placing the, obviously opening the, the chest and placing the patient on cardiopulmonary bypass and arresting the, arresting the heart. If they are localized in the mitral uh, valve or in the aortic valve and the anatomy is favorable, the operation can be done uh, minimally invasive and even robotically, which minimizes trauma of the surgery and improves the, the recovery. In terms of the techniques itself, when the papillary fibroblastomas are located in a normally a normal valve, either a normal mitral valve or a normal aortic valve, most of the time, 96% of the time, the valve can be preserved and the resection just consists on shaving the papillary fibroblastoma from the valve. So they usually have a, a stock that can be uh, divided and a resected preserving the valve. And that's an important concept, which is uh, that we can resect these tumors preserving the valve, which is what the patient and the patient will benefit from keeping their own valve. And then after you've done that, I mean, is, is there a risk of recurrence? And if there is a recurrence, is it in the same area where they were initially resected or do they pop up somewhere else? That, that's a very good question. The, the recurrence is rare. We had, uh, it's around 16% at 10 years. So we have uh, seen many patients who had to be reoperated because of uh, because of this. And the recurrence is not necessarily in the same place. It can be in other, in other locations. You've talked about you know, the um, discovery of these, you know, the work of someone who's had a TIA or, or, or a stroke. How often are you asked to see patients? You know, it's just been picked up incidentally. You know, echocardiography is done for all sorts of reasons, but if they don't have any primary cardiac problem and you find uh, incidentally uh, a, a PFE, uh, is this someone that uh, you're going to recommend surgical resection when they've never had any symptoms? That's a very good question, Sanisa. Isa question that is a clinical situation that generates a, a lot of anxiety on everybody. It generates anxiety on the patients. It generates anxiety on the referring cardiologist and it generates anxiety on the surgeon. So, and the things that we normally consider is the, is the surgical risk and also a likelihood of a embolization. And Give a determined based on the size of the papillary fibroblastoma, how mobile they are, and also explaining to the patient that risk of embolization of an untreated papillary fibroblastoma and the risk of stroke is around 6% of one year and 13% at five years is low, but is not zero. And then we have to consider that and the overall situation of the patient, particularly what the surgical risk and what is the, what is the likelihood of resecting this uh, successfully without damaging the valves. And then we explain everything to the patient and then we made a, 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 an informed uh, decision. So in general, if the patient is young, if the valve can be preserved and the risk of the surgery is low, we recommend to go ahead and resect it.
So 6% uh, risk of stroke at one year, at least to me, sounds like a pretty high risk, you know, 13% uh, five years, which brings me to, to another question. What's the typical age group that you're seeing these patients? I mean, someone who's relatively you know, a young adult, I mean, a 6% risk of stroke would be, uh, it, I, I would consider that to be enormous. Well, we have seen this in all, all, all ages, yeah. You know, with the, our surgical series, are the, the patients who get operated, they tend to be, for primary papillary fibroblastoma, they tend to be younger. The other group of people that we consider the interventional cardiologists, and, you know, so anything a surgeon, you know, can, can do, they try to do it, you know, through a you know, transcatheter approach. Are you aware of any of these PFEs being removed using a transcatheter approach? There had been attempts to do that using the radio frequency ablation for the resection and then an aspiration device to retrieve the papillary fibroblastoma. But this is still an, on, on an experimental approach, and, and I think that we have it has been tried once or twice as a compassionate use on patients who were not candidates for surgery. To summarize, then, you know, once once these are discovered, there's really going to be a low threshold for for recommending surgical resection of these, and unless there's extenuating circumstances, and obviously that's more difficult in someone who's not had any symptoms. But those numbers that you provided in terms of risk of stroke, you know, I think would be concerning for for most patients and 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 their cardiologists. Anything else you want to add uh, here? One uh, in, in terms of uh, treatment or uh, you know follow up of these uh, PFEs. It's important uh, to have a, an open discussion with the patient and, the, and their family and explain what is the natural history of these untreated PFEs and then make a common informed decision in terms of what the treatment uh, course will be. For those patients who had a papillary fibrolastoma resected, it's also important to do periodic follow-ups to, to make sure that they don't recur. And for the patients who are unfortunately present with symptoms of um, strokes or TIA, then in those situations, the decision is easy in terms of proceed with the surgery. Well, one, it's uh, always good having you uh, on our show, uh, and I look forward to uh, having you back to discuss some other surgical uh, topics as they relate to cardiac disease in the future. So thanks again so much uh, for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Malcolm. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to share your thoughts and suggestions about the podcast by emailing cvselfstudy at mayo.edu. Be sure to subscribe to the Mayo Clinic Cardiovascular CME podcast on your favorite platform and tune in each week to explore today's most pressing cardiology topics with your colleagues at Mayo Clinic. This has been a Mayo Clinic podcast.